Well, grace to you and peace from our God and Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. Amen. Well, dear friends, why do we follow Christ? Perhaps there are times in our lives we do it just to avoid problems. It can happen to each of us, can't it? No, to be honest with you, in our current day and age, uh, sometimes when I, I'm driving the school bus, the word of the Lord uh, comes to me and it says, you know what, if you would lead one of these little ones astray, it would be better for you to have a millstone hung around your neck and to be cast into the sea. Is that, though, why we follow? Is it just because you thought to yourself, okay, a millstone around my neck being cast into the sea, that's really bad. I want to avoid that. I don't want bad things to happen. I better, you know, shape up. I better start doing better. Is that why we follow So our Lord and Savior, he calls us to a higher level, doesn't he? He calls us to be able to follow him out of our love for others. That really should always be the driving force, shouldn't it? I look upon, yes, the Bible says, my weaker brother, right, my, my weaker sister, And looking out for that weaker person, I strive to do my best. Now, of course, again, maybe in today's society, we we say, I I don't like that term, or I I don't like it that we're thinking of people as as being weaker, or who are you to say that you're somehow better than that other person? But yet, that's how the Bible describes it that I would look upon my my weaker brother, my my weaker sister, and out of concern for them, I would lead my life to the best of my abilities. That is where we're called to be, that we would follow Christ, not just because I'm afraid the millstone might get hung around my neck at the end of time and I would be cast into the sea, but rather that I would follow Christ because I love other people. Because I want what is best for that other person. Now, you know, as a, a pastor, you try to think of examples to better explain, you know, perhaps the point that you're trying to get across. And often those examples, they maybe end up stepping on people's toes, right? You know, that happens. And they, they say, you know, the, the craft of being a good pastor is that you can step on other people's toes without messing up the shine on their shoes. That, that that takes some care, doesn't it? You know, I, I, I try still, you know, from my days in the military to, you know, kind of take care of my, my shoes. And yet, you know, you, you just brush your shoe against something a little bit and right away there's a scuff, isn't there? 
Or you, you walk through a little bit of, of snow and you, you come in and there's a, a little you know patch of salt or something that you know gets left behind. And so it, it's really difficult. But yet you know, for this morning, my, my first example is going to be about gambling. Because, you know, within our Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, right, we've taken the position that, you know, gambling is a sin. And we have, you know, our CTCR documents, you know, that I, I could hand out after the service or, or, or whatnot if you want to be able to understand, you know, our official position. But the, the reason, you know, that, that we're saying that is because even though, you know, perhaps you, can, can take your, your budget of $100 and you can go down to the casino and when your $100 is gone, you can say, okay, that's it. You know, I spent my $100, I, I had my fun, now I'm going home, right? Even if you can say, I have that kind of a discipline, even if you can say, I can go to the casino and play a round of golf and it, it doesn't matter, I don't go inside. Right? Even if you can say that, your friend or neighbor hearing about you going to the casino, not having the self-control that you possess, could well run into problems, right? They could well spend their entire paycheck at the casino and now go home to a wife that's upset because they don't have income, to children that aren't going to have any food for the coming month, simply because they saw you or I parked at the casino and they said, uh-huh, if Pastor Crosswhite can go there, I can go there. And so you and I are called to have this kind of love for our brothers, our sisters, where we would limit our own freedoms in order that they could have life in order that they could have good examples in order that they can more easily follow after Christ. See, it's certainly the United States of America gives us many and various freedoms, right? And certainly the state of Minnesota gives us many and various freedoms. But if we fail to exercise self-control, if we take advantage of every little loophole that's out there, other people around us, they see our behavior, they know what we're doing, and they follow after death, don't they? They stop following Christ. They're following us into what can be for them sinful activities and we have failed to love. We loved ourselves first, didn't we? We, we then said to ourselves, you, you, you know what, uh, perhaps another example, I, I was in public life and, and all the people on the city council hang out at that casino and now that I'm retired, I still go there, you know, to that place because all my friends are there. All, all the people I knew from my clubs go to that function, that activity. 
I only go there to be social. Well, guess what? Your, your friend Phil, right, he sees you freely indulging in your freedom. He goes to that same place, but he doesn't have your self-control. He, he doesn't have your, your background. And he runs into sin. And so the Bible says that we are to look out for our weaker brothers and sisters. We are to be so very concerned for them that we would limit our freedom. That we would follow Christ in all things. I, I know from my time in North Dakota that that, that casino example, yes, it, it can be a hard one for people to, to take. And, and, you know, I knew a, a lot of people. We had a, a large casino. It just was like 60 miles away. And people could easily go there. And they had a beautiful golf course, you know. And they had a wonderful buffet where people could eat. And, you know, all my friends are, are there. I heard that argument many times. But we, as Christians, are called to be the leaders, aren't we? We are called to be ones who follow after Christ. We are the ones who are to look out for our weaker Now, the reason I, I began there is, uh, of course, as many of you know, that this week passed within the state of Minnesota, the legalization of marijuana. You know, I understand now you can just kind of go through drive throughs even, and you can get your pre-rolled joints, kind of just like going to McDonald's and getting a hamburger. The state has given that freedom. Right, within the United States, people have that ability that they can now go and legally purchase marijuana, that that is fine. But guess what? You and I as Christians are called to continue to look out for our neighbors. Now, you, you all should not see my vehicle at a marijuana establishment. It should not happen. And, and and why? Again, you know, maybe I'm, I'm, I'm thinking, you know, millstone, neck, sea, right? Don't lead these little ones astray. But even as fearful as that sounds, even as scary, you know, as you, you think of having the, the millstone of your ancient community hung around your neck and then someone pushes you off the boat and you sink to the bottom of the sea and you're, you're drowning and there's nothing that, that you can do it as you know, fearful as that is the Lord calls us rather to that next level doesn't he he says I, I want you to follow me out of love for other people I want you to continue to limit your freedoms in order that others can be saved. One of the, the reasons that I'm you know, kind of picking upon this particular topic today is because I grew up in Colorado 
And I know from many years ago when Colorado legalized marijuana, what a disaster it was for the state. You think about just a simple example, you have engineers living in a community in charge of you know, designing the latest fighter jet. They have to be able to pass drug tests, right? You know, and that's really what you want. You know, the airliner even that you're flying on, you want the person that designed that to have to pass a drug test in order to design something that you're putting your, your faith in. Well, in Colorado, it's very difficult now to find employees that can pass the drug test because it's so easy to just go out and, and you can get the, the drugs and you can take them. And then, oh, Mr. Employer, I, I didn't know. I said, well, how, how did you not know? And so, you know, just from an economic standpoint of, you know, important occupations, you know, suddenly you have difficulty finding employees. You can't find dependable people. It's just hard. Another aspect is from, you know, the health care system becomes overwhelmed. By the number of people just coming to the emergency rooms you know, that have been on drugs. At that, that time in Colorado's history, uh, there, there was a particular a couple working in the emergency room at a large hospital in New York City. And they're getting a little bit older. And they thought to themselves, you know what, we would like to, to slow down a little bit. You know, we'd like to maybe retire out, out there someday to Colorado. And so they moved from New York City to a, a town of, of about 70,000 people there in Colorado. And then marijuana was legalized. And they wrote some articles about how their experience was now so much worse than it had been at a major hospital in New York City. That they had so many more emergencies. They, they, they were so overworked compared to where they had been. You see, the, the drugs become legal. They become more potent. Right? They become more powerful. It's more easy for them to be abused. And more people go into the hospital. The emergency rooms become overwhelmed. See, dear friends, that, that's never where we want to be. Right? Think about that, the example I, I used earlier, right? Someone sees me freely going to the casino and, and you know, doing whatever I, I want and, and using my freedom, and the result is that they lose a paycheck. Well, someone you know sees me smoking my my joint now on the the front porch, and they say, "Well, you know, if Pastor Crosswhite can can do that, it leads them into the abuse of drugs that ends their life." Because so much works. That's never where we want to be, is it? And we don't want to just do it out of fear. We don't want to want to do it because, oh, you know, the pastor preached a fiery sermon on the coming judgment. And, oh, my, at that last day, I sure don't want to be that guy with the millstone around his neck in the sea. Don't want to be that guy. No. But rather, 
that we want to have that love for others. To stand and say, if my actions can lead another person into sin, I don't want anything even to do with that, right? I want to be away from that. Now, it comes back to what is our motivation, right? You're driving down the highway and you see the highway patrol guy parked there in the center lane. He glanced down at your speedometer right away. I think, oh, it's Right. Hopefully that's what, what we're saying. Right? Oh, everything is fine. It's good. What, what is it that makes you glance down right away at this pedometer? It, it's because right, I, I might get a ticket. I, he might pull me over. Everybody would, would see me sitting there on the side of the road, the lights flashing and, and all of the commotion uh, taking place. But what would you know, my, my neighbors think? Might I get that big ticket? It's that fear, isn't it? But God calls us to that next level. That I would limit my freedoms because of my love for others. That I would have compassion on my weaker, yes, weaker, that's what the Bible says, my weaker neighbors. That is my, my neighbor that doesn't quite have the, the self-control that, that maybe I have. My neighbor that perhaps would be led into sin if he participated in that activity. My neighbor that has maybe not grown effectively in Christ. Has kind of stayed the same. You see, as children of God, we're supposed to be growing, aren't we? Maybe we don't often talk about that enough. But you and I, we should be able to look back and, and say, you know, I'm different from that guy that was 18. Right? I'm different from what, what I was when I was 14 years old. I don't have the temper tantrums I, I used to have like when I was five. Right? That, that we've grown, uh, we've changed, we've uh, developed more of peace and, and joy and love and patience and self-control. That we've grown in those areas. That we, we've become more mature. You see, we should have a relationship with God, well, maybe like you have with your best friend. Now, maybe when you're back in high school and you, you did a little something, you, you got in trouble and, and you, you knew that, you know, the principal was coming and, and things were going to go bad and your friend stood up and took the heat for you. Yeah. The principal was walking in the classroom and your friend Jim, he stood up and he said, hey, it's me you want to see. He said, oh, man. My friend Jim. Yeah, we're best friends ever since that, that time. Wow, what a guy. Yeah, we're back in Vietnam. I would have jumped on a grenade for Jim. Right? 
That's fine. You, you have a, a, a best friend. He did some you know, good things for you. He kept you out of, of trouble at times. But really, should our relationship with God not be even more than that? Right? Because God loved us so much, he sent his little boy to die for our sins. You see, Jesus, he, he didn't just take the heat for some minor event that would have caused you some inconvenience in high school way back in the day. You know, Jesus came and he died so our sin could be forgiven. How much more should we appreciate and love Jesus Christ than our good friend who looked out for us a couple? It should be so much more, shouldn't it? Jesus loved us so much. He did that for us. Our feelings for him should only grow, shouldn't they? We should only come to be closer to him every day. And that is how we can love others, right? Because we had that example. We have that friend who is closer than a brother. We have that Savior that died that our sins might be forgiven. We have that one that limited his freedoms so we could be saved. How can I therefore go into the world and say my freedoms matter the most? I can't. I can't do it anymore, right? You and I are called to limit ourselves so that others can be saved, so they can make it to heaven, so they can be with God someday. How can we then argue, oh, I was born like well, I, I have this syndrome. I, I have this complication. Oh, I, I, I can't really, you know, manage the, the self-control thing. It's not really in, in, in my skill set. We can't. Can we? Our Lord and Savior, he comes to us and he says, I want you to love other people so very much that you would Follow me. That you would be the example. That you would be one others can look to. That we don't see your car at the marijuana drive through right? That we don't see you hanging out at the casino, at the slot machine. But rather that we see you and I following after Christ. We can do it, can't we? Because God loved us first. He gave us the example, but more than that, he lifts us up, doesn't he? He sets our feet upon the solid rock. He helps us see others in their despair and their pain and their brokenness. 
And he gives us the courage to stand tall and live for him. Amen. And may the grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be in your hearts and minds now and always. Amen.